Our scripture reading this morning comes from Psalm 46. Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a help always near in times of great trouble. That's why we won't be afraid when the worlds fall apart, when the mountains crumble into the center of the sea, when its waters roar and rage, when the mountains shake because of its surging waves. There is a river whose streams gladden God's city, the holiest dwelling of the Most High. God is in that city. It will never crumble. God will help it when morning dawns. Nations roar, kingdoms crumble. God utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of heavenly voices, forces is with us. The God of Jacob is our place of safety. Come, see the Lord's deeds, what devastation he has imposed on the earth, bringing wars to an end in every corner of the world breaking the bow and shattering the spear, burning chariots with fire. That's enough. Now know that I am God. I am exalted among all nations. I am exalted throughout the world. The Lord of heavenly forces is with us. The God of Jacob is our place of safety. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. And now, God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each heart be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Have you ever noticed how there are certain sounds and noises that, that when you first notice them really annoy you. I mean, they really get under your skin and they just won't seem to go away until they do. At some point, they just seem to, to disappear. And I don't mean that the noise actually stops. I, I just mean that we don't seem to notice it anymore. Maybe at some point in your life you've lived next to a busy street or road where at first the traffic just was so loud, but eventually you just don't notice it. Or maybe you've lived near the airport and, and you've heard the, the jets landing or taking off, but then eventually, not anymore. Maybe you live near a train track heard the loud sounds of trains passing. Maybe the neighbor got a new dog that barks all night. Maybe you had a leaky faucet. Drip, 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 drip. Maybe you're a parent and you've experienced the call from the back seat, Mom, Mom, Mom. I used to count how many times my kids would say it before Kelly noticed. <laughs> or before I said, enough! <laughs> or the clicking of that new clock. Tick, tick, tick. 
Maybe that old refrigerator that always hums or the air conditioner. Maybe it's the sound of music they play at the mall or in the elevator. Or maybe it's that new noise that started in your car's engine right about that time the light went on on the dash. And it's still on, but you don't notice the sound anymore. Now I notice, I I didn't say the sound actually goes away, but there's something that happens in our brains that that if we hear the sound over and over and over, for most part, it just tends to get tuned out. Thankfully, that's the way the brain works. We're bombarded by thousands of sounds all the time. They're around us all the time. And if we were to give focus to that one and that one and that one, it would drive us bananas. But the way God wired the brain, these repeated sounds, the brain just kind of tunes them out so that we can focus on what really matters or what is really important. But the thing is, the noise doesn't go away. We may not be consciously aware of the noise, but our brains are dealing with these recurring noises all the time. When Kelly and I moved to Kentucky so I could work on a doctoral degree, uh, they offered us a free place to live, a townhouse that we could live for free for a year. What a deal. They didn't tell us that from our back door to the train track was 100 feet and that our bedroom was on the back wall. I am not exaggerating, but there were at least 15 to 20 freight trains every night. When they went by, the apartment would shake. And not only that, we lived near the main intersection in town. And so as the train approached, it would blare its horn and the car, the, the arms would come down and the bell would ding, 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 15 to 20 times a night. For the first month we lived there, we didn't sleep at all. By the second month, we slept like babies. We just didn't notice it. One year for an anniversary, Kelly and I went on a cruise to Nova Scotia. And because it was a new place to go and you could see whales sometimes and all this new scenery, we splurged and got a balcony room on the ship because we didn't want to miss anything. The weather was terrible. So bad, the fog was so thick that we couldn't see past the rail of our balcony for most of the cruise. And there's this little maritime law that in thick fog, the ship has to blare the fog horn every two minutes. And it's loud. And it was foggy for days. You could hear it in our cabin. You could hear it in our shower. You could hear it in the dining room. You could hear it in uh, all the places of entertainment. And it was so annoying for about 12 hours. And then we just didn't notice it anymore. Even during the entertainment. We just, get, we just get used to it. We get normalized to all the noise in our life. We become numb to it. But the truth is there's a lot of noise. Our brains are processing a lot of noise all the time, constantly dealing with what to pay attention to and what not. And the truth is a lot of that noise comes from us. Most of the noise in our lives is human-created, electronics, traffic, transportation, construction, entertainment, etc., etc. Of course, that's not even mentioning the noise that goes on inside our heads. 
the chatter that seems to always be happening, the voices, you know the voices, don't you? Always, always conversation that never seems to stop. Jesus lived in a very different world than we did do. He, he didn't deal with so many of the noises. In fact, scientists say that noise pollution is increasing all around the world. But it was noisy nonetheless. I mean, if you were Jesus, he was, he was constantly bombarded by the crowds wanting something for him. Always people were calling out, Jesus, Jesus, come heal us, come help us. We have a question. Always, always, always pressure was on Jesus to respond. And yet there's these interesting lines in all of the gospel saying no matter how big the crowd was, no matter how demanding the needs, Jesus would withdraw to be alone with God. Mark 1.35, early in the morning, well before sunrise, Jesus rose and went to a deserted place where he could be alone in prayer. One of my very favorite times and places is the coastline, preferably the East Coast, at the pre-dawn hours, waiting for the sun to rise. I'm an early riser. I just love being on the beach at sunrise. There's something about that time that's refreshing for me. There's something about that time that I feel a special connection to God, and I go as often as I can, whenever I can, to be there the moment the sun breaches the horizon. It's loud in the pre-dawn hours. The wind blowing, the, 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 the waves lapping the coastline, sometimes the sound of birds. There's a roar, but that's not the noise I'm talking about. Those natural sounds sometimes actually facilitate for me the presence of God. You and I both know, stay at the beach very long, and it's not long before the cars start arriving, before the children start laughing, before the people flying drones start going by, and the watercraft, the noise begins, like in every other part of our life. So for the last several weeks, we've been talking about thresholds as a metaphor for spending time with God in prayer, stepping into God's presence. And today I'm talking about crossing the threshold from noise into silence, finding time and space in our life for more quiet so that we can be more present to ourselves, more present to our inner thoughts, and most importantly, more present to God. And, and let me just add a caveat. Perhaps you're just not a prayerful person. Perhaps you're just not a spiritual person. I'm just not into that. Somebody dragged me here this morning. Well, the scientists say that we need quiet just for our mental health, that we need times just so that our brains can relax because they're so constantly bombarded with stimulation. We need prayer in our lives, and we especially need silent prayer. We may get used to the noise, our, our brains may adapt to all the noise, but, but let me ask you this. If Jesus needed silent prayer, isn't that a pretty good indicator that we need it too? And, and isn't it possible that all the noise in our lives might just be drowning out the voice of God? What, what if God is trying to tell you something, but you just can't hear it because your life is so noisy? 
What if experiencing the presence of God requires calm, serenity, quiet, stillness? You likely know the story of Elijah the prophet who went up on the mountain to to hide out from everybody, just to be alone, not to be alone with God, just to be alone, to be away from his enemies. But God met him on the top of Mount Horeb. God said, go out and stand at the mountain before the Lord. The Lord is passing by. Then a very strong wind tore through the mountain and broke apart the stones before the Lord. But the Lord wasn't in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. After the earthquake, there was a fire. But the Lord wasn't in the fire. After the fire, there was a sound. Thin. Quiet. And when Elijah heard it, the thin, quiet sound, He wrapped his face in his coat. He went out and stood at the cave's entrance. Now now notice in the story, God says to him, come out, I'm gonna speak to you. He doesn't come out of the cave. He stays in the cave. God sends fire. God sends a tornado. God sends an earthquake. Doesn't budge him out of his cave. But then God whispers. And Elijah notices. God was present in what we often say in many versions, the still, small voice of God. A quiet, thin sound. How do we hear God's voice in a world that's so loud, but God speaks so gently, so quietly, so silently? I can't tell you how many times people have come to me for spiritual counsel. They're, they're struggling to make a decision. They're looking for answers. I mean, by the time you come to a pastor, you gotta be really desperate. And, and they're always worked up. And so as I'm, as I'm listening, I'll say, well, have you prayed about it? Well, of course I've prayed about it. Well, where, how is God leading you? I don't know. I can't hear anything. I said, are you, are you kind of anxious about this? Are you worried about it? Of course I'm anxious and worry about it. Like, oh, well, okay. Well, that's your problem because anxiety yells, worry screams, and God whispers. And God isn't bothered with competing with the noise. If we want to hear God's voice, even about the things we worry about, we're anxious about, we have to create enough silent space to hear the still small voice of God. I don't know if maybe right this moment there's some noise going on in your head. If maybe there's some screaming going on right here. I think God might be saying to you, shh, listen to me. I have something I wanna tell you. Moments ago I read to you from Psalm 46 The more traditional version of verse 10 says, be still and know that I am God. The version I read, the CEB says, that's enough. God says, that's enough. Now know that I am God. 
If you were paying attention as I read that text, you, you may have noticed that it sounds like everything's in chaos. The earth is in chaos. The earth is crumbling. The nations are, are raging against each other in war. And it's in the midst of the chaos that God says, enough, be still, and know that I am God. I wonder what chaos might be going on in your life. And God might be saying to you, enough, enough. Listen to me. Just be still. Listen to me. Know that I am God. I bet you know this next text, but you, you've never thought of it in this way. The 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down. When's the last time you took a load off? Just lie down to be with God. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside raging, turbulent waters. No, he leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. All of us need soul restoration. We're not gonna find it in the noisy chaos. We need those moments to lie down on green pastures. We need those calm waters. To refill. And what's the next line? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall not fear because you are with me. Notice that he precedes the line about the dark valley. That's reality with restoring our soul. We all walk through dark valleys. We need soul restoration before they arrive. Hear the tranquility. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Now, I'd like to offer you an invitation. Um, if, if there's anyone here this morning that has no issue with silence, no issue with, with stillness, then you might just go ahead and go on with your day, head to lunch, that, that, that you probably just don't need the rest of this sermon. So, you know, feel free if you'd like to go. Hmm, not seeing anyone will continue. Silence is hard, isn't it? Stillness is difficult. We have all these demands on our life, all these noises intruding, all these voices telling us what we're supposed to do. Stillness, silence is not easy, but I wanna tell you today, it is absolutely necessary. Your brain needs it, your soul needs it, especially if you want to be in connection with God. So I'd like to offer you just five simple suggestions, not simple because they're easy, but simple because they're basic. If you want to know God in this way, if you want to introduce more quiet into your life, I'll offer you five quick suggestions. One, you have to quiet yourself. Friends, you're the issue. Yes, we have a noisy world. We're surrounded by noise, but you can't just blame it on everybody else. If you want to experience quiet, you have to decide that you desire it. You're the one that has to stop the activity. You're the one that has to create the space for silence. Just like anything else, it begins with us and the depth of our commitment to it. Second, find a quiet place. As quiet as you can, Maybe it's a, a room in your house, if you have one, that you can just close the door and be alone with God. Many aren't so fortunate. So maybe it's turning off the radio in the car every once in a while to just be quiet 
with God. I find that for me sometimes it's simple, as simple as just simply turning around my desk chair and looking out the window, turning away from what I have to do to just simply be with God. It's probably not likely that you're ever going to find a place that's absolutely quiet unless you enter a, a sensory deprivation tank or wear noise-canceling earphones. I'm not necessarily talking about that. I'm talking about a place that this is where I am with God. The founder of Methodism was a man named John Wesley. He was one of 10 siblings. His mother raised them, of course, and she was a, a deeply prayerful woman. Her name was Susanna. She's a big part of our Methodist history. Now, you can imagine in their small house, there probably wasn't a quiet place anywhere. You can imagine with 10 children, there probably wasn't a quiet moment. And yet she believed so strongly in prayer that she created a prayer space by sitting down, lifting the front of her apron and putting it over her head. Do you think her apron was soundproof? Of course not. But the children do. When the apron is over mom's head, don't mess with mama. That was her time to be with God. I, I don't know what your apron might look like, but we all need a quiet place. Third, you have to quiet your mind. To be silent, you have to quiet your mind. And that's the biggest challenge. One trick, one tool that has often been used in many religious traditions is something called a mantra. It's simply repeating a word or phrase that helps you to stay focused. Maybe it's a, a verse of scripture. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Just said over and over. Perhaps it's a word like Jesus or God or love or peace. The point is not the word. The point of the word is not your prayer. It's simply to give your mind something to connect to when you get distracted. And once you're focused again, you can let it go and just be silent in the presence of God. You might try it. My fourth suggestion is use a timer. I literally mean use a timer and take baby steps. If you set out some big goal, I'm gonna spend the next 20 minutes in silence, what I suspect is you'll spend most of that 20 minutes looking at your watch. Okay, that's 19 minutes, now that's 18. Start with something much less like two minutes and set the timer on your phone so that you don't have to look at it and you know when that two minutes is over, it will let you know. And then expand to three if you can, or four, or five, whatever the case may be. And finally this, have faith. The point is not simply to be silent. The point is that God is with you in the silence and to focus on that and to acknowledge that. God, I am gonna give these moments now to simply be with you. Quiet yourself, find a quiet place, quiet your mind, use a timer and have faith. Now, you might be sitting there wondering, well, really, what's the point? Just to be quiet? I have so much to do. I have so much to think about. And if I'm praying, why am I not telling God what's on my mind, what's on my heart, what I need? Why just be silent? Well, think of it this way. Over and over every week, we have said that the purpose of prayer is simply to know God. It's relational. It's to spend time with a relational God. Well, I don't know about you, but I've often found that early in relationships, there tends to be a lot of talking. Think about the social events that you go to where, where we're just trying to make conversation and so we talk about anything, everything we can think of until that deadly moment of silence comes, that awkward moment. 
And somebody says, well, how about that weather we've been having? Did you catch the score of the game? Just to talk about anything. In a shallow relationship, we just feel awkward, so we fill up every moment. But have you ever had that experience with someone you're intimate with, a close friend, a sibling, a spouse, a child, where not a, not a word has to be spoken, but there's value to just simply be together? You ever been on a long road trip with someone that you love deeply and you realize we haven't said a word to each other for hours, not because you're mad at each other in the silent treatment, but just because we like to be together. Have you ever held a child in your arms, maybe your child, a grandchild? Not a word is expressed. You just enjoy the presence and the warmth. Have you ever rocked in a swing on the porch holding the hand of the one you love? Not a word is necessary, but you wouldn't move from that spot if you had to because the presence is what really matters. I'll tell you, when I pray, there are very few words. I just want to be with my God. Ruth Haley Barton says, as it turns out, the presence of God is poured out most generously when there is space in our souls to receive him. Is there space in your soul to receive him? Or is it just too full of noise? Be still, God says, and know that I am God. It requires silence. It requires stepping across the threshold of silence. 